And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who wants a brand new car. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, oh boy, is it ever beautiful here in Southern California. We're not on Milleronia, not today. And uh, part of the reason is because of a story I'm going to tell you. But it sure is pretty here. Boy, you can't beat Southern California. Sure, I mean, our country has great places in it. And, you know, North Dakota is gorgeous. And I'm not making a joke about that. I'm saying it. it, it is. It's wonderful. So all the, uh, well, all the colder places like Wisconsin and Minnesota. But you know what? It's hard to beat Southern California if you say, well, I'm looking for sunny days and warm weather. Well, all right. I think I, I think you're here. I think you got it, but um, it sure is nice to be back, much as I love Milleronia, and of course, as, as you know, the, the music always makes me happy anyway, and the Colonel, too, that's, of course, the Yule Brenner Orchestra and the Deborah Carr Dancers featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson asking the musical question, are there any more milkmen, and if so, does anyone invite them into their kitchen for a cup of coffee? Good question, Brad. First of all, I hope so. Look, men were great. I, that was, I think, a very sweet American custom that uh, nice to have in our lives, all of our lives. We need some eggs, too. Don't forget to leave a note for Mr. Buchanan. And uh, it was good. And I, I'll bet, though, uh, I'll bet no one invites them in for coffee anymore. That would be 130 cups of coffee a day. If you think about it, that would be just crazy. By 11 o'clock, his teeth would be ground down to nubs. And, uh, but I'll tell you what. Oh, my milkman. We had a milkman when we moved into our house on Long Island. That was 1956. And we had a milk box around the back. Because, of course, you don't put your milk box up uh, near the front door. And he had a uniform. The standard stuff. I hope yours did, too. That there's the, uh, the white pants and the white shirt with the black bow tie and the formal cap with the black visor. I can't remember his name, but he always got a smile from my mother, and he always tipped his cap. And his metal milk carrier held a lot of bottles. You know, I mean, you could go from house to house with just that thing. And those are real bottles, as you know, as you remember. Boy, they were just bottles. They were great to take that cat little cap off. Question, Brad, you know, and uh, Colonel Jeff and I started talking because I I guess there are lots of things we all don't have anymore. And we started thinking about that ice cream trucks. You know, now, uh, Colonel Jeff said in his neighborhood, they still have some ice cream trucks. And he said they're not very nice. And it's a kind of a lower grade. And it's it's not something that you think of as a great part of the neighborhood. But uh, there you are. And uh, we had them. We sure had them on Long Island, though. Good humor was our brand. And 
oh, folks, that those trucks were always clean and always seemed, well, not brand new, but wow, great paintings on the side of the good humor. I noticed that was the greatest name in the world. And with those rectangular bars with the stick in them and the painting. And folks, when those bells rang every night, because the driver, the milk, rather the, uh, the good humor man, would ring at a little cord, and there was no cover on his front seat. That was the thing about good humor trucks. They were open. So he had, of course, the windshield and the frame around it, and you know, nice truck, too, and the big uh, the big freezer behind him with all the ice cream in it. But there was no roof on it, and that was intentional. And he was open. He was part of the, well, part of the mythic quality uh, to me and all of my friends there in the neighborhood Part of the magic that, uh, and he would ring those bells. He would pull those things. They were always just above the rearview mirror. And ching, 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 which is always about, especially in summer days, well, always about uh, quarter to seven or seven, which was, of course, right after dinner. So he was smart, and that was the good marketing by good humor. And he would come down our block, and we'd hear those bells, Every night, and we all dashed outside with our dimes. I mean, uh, that was what what it was, 10 cents for whatever you wanted, sometimes 15 cents. I was telling Colonel, Colonel Jeff, I was remembering that uh, if, because uh, I always like just right up the middle, the regular stuff, just a vanilla bar with the chocolate coating. And, of course, the stick in it. I mean, that was, boy, that was good. That good humor stuff was terrific. But they also had... If you wanted to spend 15 cents, they'd have the uh, vanilla and the chocolate ice cream with nuts. They had nuts in the chocolate. And that was wild. I mean, that was, we all knew that was, boy, that's like, you know, getting a Rolls Royce or something. I mean, for 15 cents. So uh, we all stuck to the, the 10 cent area there, which was fine with me. And I always, I remember, boy, folks. Uh, I remember every year, first of all, we were all excited to know who the new good humor man was. And we always called him by his first name. It was always Ted or Mike. And I was telling that, I was remembering to Colonel Jeff, it was never something like Kevin, that which seems too modern. The, the this, These guys always had a little more traditional names. And uh, he could always reach into that thing and get whatever you asked for. And what I mean is, it amazed me. Because I couldn't believe, I could never believe he could just do that. He'd reach in, he'd never look in. Whatever you asked for, he'd reach in and just get it and pull it right back out with a smile. And I thought that was really something. I thought that was like a Star Trek move. How in the world do you do that? Even Mr. Spock would say, how was that done? And But he did it. They all did it every year, every night. Boy. Well, those fellas that meant a lot to me, meant a lot to my friends. We ran out every night on a warm night on Long Island. And uh, for 10 cents, gee, you could always see, well, as I said, Ted or Mike or whoever the new fellow was. And uh, it was also never slang names like Vinny. It was nothing like that. It was always something that, it could have been a Vincent, but, oh, I love those guys, and I love that truck, and I love that good humor ice cream. And, uh, whew. 
they had uh, other uh, other brands, or there was one other brand of uh, bungalow bar. I remember, and I was telling the colonel that, uh, and that didn't come around our neighborhood. We were well, we were a good humor neighborhood, which may sound a little knuckleheaded, but that's what we were. We were serious about it. Well, we were joyous about it. We laughed about everything, but well, but we knew there was a brand around that bungalow bar. Boy, that sounded very suspicious to us. <laughs> we couldn't. Qu- In fact, we had a a thing. We used to sing, Bungalow Bar tastes like tar. The more you eat it, the sicker you are. Which is, <laughs> well, no offense to anyone. You may, uh, you know, your dad may have worked for Bungalow Bar. And, uh, and uh, you know, good luck to them. But, well, we didn't want to see them in our neighborhood. And uh, maybe they made good stuff, too. I don't know. But ice cream trucks, I, I miss those. And, uh Gas station attendants. We were talking about that too. Of uh, you don't really run into any of those today. I don't know where you live, but I remember gas station attendants also had, by the way, uniforms. They had not white, of course. They were at work there, but they had uh, blue or gray, and also clothes to the shirt, and also a bow tie. It's maybe that sounds a little knuckleheaded to some of you, but we it felt it felt good. It felt like something that once again we all had in common and they'd by the way i remember gas station attendant would fill your tank check the oil and clean your windshield do you remember that boy who cleans a windshield anymore and we really knew as kids in the car we really knew who the good windshield guys were and wherever my parents went to get a fill up and it was just in the area there. There were just two or three stations in our in our neighborhood. And uh, we knew who was good at the windshield. And I told Colonel Jeff, I remembered moving out to California and noticing, discovering that all gas station attendants out here had a different way of cleaning the windshield. And I was, whoa, whoa. I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. I thought that was amazing. As the old saying goes, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I mean, they would go, the attendants would take the squeegee, and instead of just going straight across and then wiping it off with a little gas station napkin, and which they all did in our area, and uh, but these fellas would uh, start in the middle, the bottom of the windshield, in the middle, and bring the squeegee up and curve it around and then bring it to the side and then wipe it off and then go back again to same thing, middle of the windshield and, and curve it around. And and of course, we're getting smaller as the windshield got cleaner. But I thought that was amazing. I thought that was holy. Ma- I, in fact, I called friends to tell them that. I called friends back east to say, you know how they do the windshields here? In case anybody said to me, you know, uh, so what's California like? Well, first of all, sit down and hold on to your hats, because I've got something for you about how they clean windshields. And uh, I remember that, though. Heshi had uh, owned a, an Esso station in our area, and my friend Billy Walsh worked for him. And, uh, boy, it was a great station, and... Uh, Heshi was a, was a fine fella, too, a terrific guy. And uh, nobody wanted to rob his station. He had an Esso station. And I'm, I remember people would say, nobody will ever rob that place. Because Heshi 
was uh, was a cop in New York. He had retired just then, but he was a homicide detective for 25 years. And the, I think the word got on. Heshi was the nicest fella in the world and had a great smile and a great laugh, but not for crooks. I don't think he would... I don't think anyone was ever going to rob him there. And he sold, it was a great place to go, he sold cartons of cigarettes, too. He had them stacked in the little office that every gas station had. And my folks were smokers at the time, and they uh, always picked up a carton or two. And plus, are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? With a fill-up, you got a free Mets mug. And I mean a Mets mug that was clear, glass and we could hold a whole can of beer so it was a 12 ounce mug and the whole Mets logo a real logo the circular thing with blue and orange and uh Mr. Met with a bat I loved those and we had well a lot because you got one as I mentioned for a fill up and they just gave you one with a smile now that's a whole thing too the same thing of when do you run into smiles like that I don't think we have them anymore. We used to have a lot of things that came through the neighborhood, fruit trucks and knife sharpeners. I remember those. And uh, they didn't last that long because even as a kid, you notice, well, I guess knife sharpeners were more in demand years before, 30, 40, 50 years before. And... Well, a lot of the fellows, a lot of the husbands and fathers who lived there just didn't need it as much. They were starting to make, I guess, those knives that we all knew about where, uh, for just for the house, for eating with, that were always going to be sharp. I don't know how they did that, but they'd have serrated edges, but they were always sharp. And uh, so, sorry to say those fellows, well, went the way of all flesh. I remember, though, Charles Chips, Colonel Jeff and I were talking about them. Charles Chips. Wow, we we loved that guy and that van. They had their own Charles Chips van that uh, was in the colors of Charles Chips. It was kind of a a yellowish, orangey-ish, light brownish thing. And with the big logo, Charles Chips. And they'd come up into your house and uh, they came in with a delivery and they they had, well, Chips in those... Round containers, round tin containers, I guess, or some kind of metal. And they were strong enough. And the guy would come again with a uniform and a smile. And he'd knock on your side door there. It's the Charles Chips Man. Or pretzels. They had that too. We didn't uh, get those. Colonel Jeff was uh, remembering those. But uh, that was also a little wild for us in, in our family, though. Pretzels, that was, I mean, I love pretzels, but uh, that was like, whoa, who gets those? That's kind of advanced. But we loved those Charles Chips and those cans. Paper Boys, I remember that. Billy Aries was our great guy. He was our paper boy. That was for Newsday, the newspaper, Newsday on Long Island. And uh, he was our newsboy for a long time. He, that was like a 12-year job for him. And you could make dough doing that. You know, it may not sound like much today, but if a kid could make 11 or 15 bucks a week doing that, that was pretty good. And uh, Billy was a good guy in um, 
In fact, Colonel Jeff was remembering in his neighborhood growing up, uh, there was a local family that had so many kids. The paper route was theirs from generation to generation. I mean, but forever. They had it locked up. Good luck trying to take it from them. And his friend, Mike, had great tricks, he remembered, for throwing the paper. Because now if a car drove, you know, if they're in an old station wagon, you know, that's been hauling gypsum and the car is only four inches off the ground anyway, and that's how he's delivering the papers, he just flings them out the window of the car. It doesn't even stop. And, of course, the, the, the paper slides across your driveway and rips Every day, every paper. It just tears. Well, I never liked that, and I don't know why anybody would like that. And his friend Mike, though, had tricks for throwing the paper, and it never ripped. He could do a high arcing throw and always landed right on your porch and never never ripped, though. It would go kind of boom, and then he had one, he had a way of flipping it, he said, that where it would always land on the edge, the rounded edge of the paper after it's been, well, folded and has a rubber band around it, which is part of what the paper boy had to do. And he would toss that thing. It would flip. It always landed on the end and then just fell over, well, kind of gently. He said there was never a ripped paper there. And uh, he and I both, by the way, uh, did the route, the paper route, whenever the paper boy went away uh, with his family. So for a week or two, you know, we did that. And that's not an easy job, you know, folks. I mean, if you if you don't have it down to a routine, you got to get there early enough to fold those papers and put them in that big giant basket. Billy let me use his bicycle, and that's a big basket in the front there, just on the other side of the handlebars. And just to fold those papers and put rubber bands around them and then get going. And that's not light. That's heavy. So you really have to pedal. You have to be good at it. Billy was good at it. I wasn't. But that's all right. I'm glad he asked me if I wanted to do it because I did. And here's uh, one you may not remember. Jeff's family and all the families in his neighborhood had tubes for the newspaper right next to the front door, but they were plastic tubes and they were clear and they had the name of the paper on each tube. And uh, I said, well, how do you like that? Because we never had tubes that, so the paper boy, that meant, had to stop the bike, put the kickstand down and walk up to your front door. They never rang the bell, but but they'd have to put the paper in the tube. Well, you know what, folks? To be honest, I wish we had those fellas still, all of them, in every business. All of those folks gave a pleasant tone to the neighborhood and gave us all, well, something in common and made American life a little bit sweeter. And besides, nobody tips their caps anymore, do they? And by... Amazon, that's right, Amazon, still just one of the best companies, boy. They sell everything. They have everything in their catalog there. Whatever you want in the world, you can get it from Amazon, except, of course, an actual Amazon. You can't get a beautiful, muscular woman 
you know, in a Wonder Woman outfit to come right to your door and ring the bell. Believe me, if you could, I think Colonel Jeff and I would know it. That's not the kind of thing you'd forget as a kid. Bum, bum. Holy mackerel. Mom, it's an Amazon. But uh, that company is terrific, and they always, by the way, you get anything in the world, and they have it there. And uh, when you go to them, if you buy things from them, and I think you should, they always send us part of what you buy. They always send us a percentage of it, and that makes us very happy, and uh, it makes them very happy. So what you do, to remember, to get to Amazon, you can go a hundred different ways. You can go on your computer, on your iPhone. You can get there a bunch of different ways, but let us take you there. What you do is go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Wow, that was a good shot. In fact, I think that second upswing on the cheer was because that ball was out of there. That sounds like a homer to me. Uh, anyway, you go to our website, and we have a banner there that says Amazon. Click our banner, and we'll take you to Amazon. You click that banner, and then go you know, lean back in your lazy boy chair and take a nap. Don't worry about it. We'll get you there. It could be the middle of the night. We have a little red dot, a little a little red light on our phones, both me and Colonel Jeff. And when that goes off silently, we get up, throw on our snow boots, which is rare for Southern California, but we do it just in case. And we get together, go to the studio, and we'll get you to Amazon. And you know what? Well, you'll be glad you did. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke. Of the week. Boy, this is, a, this is a good one, too. And this was sent in by Ken Schaefer, by the way. Thank you, Ken. Ken's a fan of the show. And this is a pretty good joke. There's an elderly Irish couple named uh, Sean and Mary. And they've been married a long time. And, uh, well, they've had a good life together, too. And they they have a lot of affection, a lot of... A lot of smiling and a lot of warmth together. But, of course, there's all sorts of things do. As you, you know, once you're married 40, 50, 60 years, you know, you get up there and, well, you get a little cranky sometimes and you get a little, oh, wow, shut up. Don't tell me to shut up and, you know, things like that. And uh, so one afternoon, Mary's sitting there in her chair in the living room and she uh, says to Sean, would you do me a favor, Sean? Would you go get me a, a bowl of ice cream, vanilla ice cream? And uh, I'd like that right now. And he says, sure, happy to. And he gets up and he heads to the kitchen. But she says, wait, wait, wait. Let me write it down for you because, frankly, you'll forget. And he said, I won't forget, Mary. And she said, yeah, you you will. You're not a, you're not a kid anymore. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just write it down here for the vanilla ice cream. He says, I'm not going to forget. Sean, please. And uh, she takes the piece of paper. Oh, and also, she just says to him, I want uh, chocolate sauce, uh, some fudge on, on it, too. And, now, and I'm going to write that down, too, here for you. Mary, I can remember chocolate sauce and vanilla ice cream. She says, no, you can't. You know what? You, you're, 
You're frankly, you're losing it. And let me get what I want here. All right, Mary, please. She says, and nuts. I want crushed nuts on it too. So it's vanilla ice cream, chocolate sauce, and crushed nuts. And she writes it all down and hands it to him. And he goes into the kitchen and, uh, well, she hears it pans banging and, you know, uh, drawers opening and closing and just all sorts of things. And, and she's, what in the world is that man doing? And after about, uh, 10 minutes, he comes in with a tray and on the tray are, uh, eggs and potatoes he just made for, and she said, Sean, I told you, you weren't going to remember anything. And he said, what? What's wrong? And she says, you forgot the toast. <laughs> That's a good one, Ken. Thank you for sending it in. And uh, you know what? Any good joke like that about marriage, it makes us smile. It's not only funny, but there's a lesson in it, too. Is he a little crazy? All right, so he's a little crazy. Is she a little crazy, too? Well, yeah. So they're both a little wacky. And... She didn't remember the ice cream either, so he made her something nice. And you know what? That's good enough. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show. The Poetry Corner. Maybe that was Sean coughing after she made him some eggs. Uh, this is a nice poem. It's lovely. It's by a great poet named Ella Wheeler Wilcox. And uh, she, by the way, an American poet, lived from 1850 to 1919. So she got, a, she got to see us win World War I. And her most famous poem was Solitude, which has a great line in it. Laugh, and the world laughs with you. Weep, and you weep alone. And her autobiography, by the way, The World's and I, was published a year before her death. Now get this, she started writing poetry very early and was actually very well known by the time she graduated high school. That's kind of neat. She's from Wisconsin. And uh, this poem is called The Winds of Fate. One ship drives east and another drives west with the self-same winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales which tells us the way to go. Like the winds of the seas are the ways of fate as we voyage along through the life. Tis the set of a soul that decides its goal and not the calm or the strife. Isn't that lovely? And, well, that's that's a good message, too. Thank you, Ella. The Winds of Fate by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. The Magic Movie Moment. This is a wonderful movie, and I just happened to see it again. wasn't the first time a couple of days ago. And that's why I mentioned the great Yul Brynner and Deborah Carr in the beginning, because they're the stars of this movie. It's called The King and I, 
which, as Colonel Jeff pointed it out, it's it's nice because the, well, Ella Wilcox's autobiography was called The World's and I. Folks, The King and I is a great movie. Oh, Lord. And uh, directed, by the way. Oh, and starring, this is really something, Yul Brynner, Deborah Carr, Rita Moreno, and so many other wonderful performers written by the wonderful team of Rogers and Hammerstein. This was their fifth musical together. Great music, a great book. Oh, and all the words and all the lyrics. And please see it if you haven't. Wow, this is from 1956. It's a great movie. And Yul Brynner, by the way, won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Deborah Carr was also nominated for Best Actress that year, but didn't win. And what a story. It moves you so much. And it's all true that Yul Brynner plays the King of Siam. And this takes place in the in the early 1860s, during our Civil War, which they mention quite a bit. And Abraham Lincoln, that the king, as Yul Brynner always mentioned, pronounces uh, Abraham Lincoln. It's very good. He's just wonderful in this. But uh, you know what? The uh, magic movie moment for me shall be they fall for each other, and you know it before they do. We know it as the audience. That great principle called dramatic irony, where the audience knows something before the characters do. And yes, she's from Wales and from England, and she comes there with her son that her husband has died, and she's a widow, and she, she's been hired by them there in the palace to cheat, well, to teach all the children English. And as the, <laughs> there's a great moment where the British ambassador comes to an evening there that he throws in the palace and says to him, uh, do, how many ch- children do you have? And he says, a hundred and six, but I am newly married. It's it's a great moment there. <laughs> he was a little embarrassed to only have 106 at this point. But it's great. They fall for each other, and we can see it. And he just can't quite. He wants to progress for himself and for his country, for Siam, for this kingdom. And as Dibrakar mentioned, he's trying. And we see it, too. He's trying. But ultimately, he can't. He can't break away enough from how he was raised. And it's, well, it's a very tough place. And there's one thing in it, though. This magic movie moment for me, they're coming to care about each other. And we see that before they do. And after this big ball he throws in the palace, well, it's all empty now. And they're on the dance floor in the ballroom. And they decide to dance together. And they do. And she holds her hands out. And he holds his hands out. And they take hands. And they, well, they zip around kind of nicely there. But after they do that for just a minute or so, then he says, this was not the way the European couples dance tonight. And she says, No, it wasn't, Your Majesty. And he knows, and she knows, and we know that he says, he holds his hands out, come here. 
And he puts, well, the way he should, he puts his right hand around her waist, and he holds her right hand in his left, and she, well, does the same thing, puts her hand on his shoulder, and they dance, and suddenly that music rises of, shall we dance, bum, 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 on a bright cloud of music, shall we dance? They, uh, they smile, and by the way, that's an, really something. For the first time in the movie, he's smiling. He's so happy to be holding her and dancing with her. And she's smiling too. And you know what? Folks, they really rehearsed this thing. They whip around that floor, and she's holding a, her dress up a little bit the way they had to do it. Those are big dresses. And boy, oh boy, did they dance well. And it makes you so happy. It made them so happy. And folks, it made me so happy. If you're not smiling and really touched by this wonderful couple finally getting to hold each other and be together and have a dance like this, and they dance that way for about two minutes or three minutes, and, well, they dance up a storm. And uh, at the end of it, she's laughing and he's laughing, and they, whew, they really did it. And now Bernard, so they're not holding onto each other anymore, and he looks at her, they're about five feet apart, and he just says, again, and with a smile, and she does, and they dance again, and the music rises, and I'm as happy as they were. You'll be as happy as they were, too, and they dance up a storm again, and then the drama of the movie takes over, and... Some of his agents and men come in, into the ballroom, because they've found Tup Tim, who was played by the great Rita Moreno, and uh, she had tried to escape with, well, she escaped with the man she loves. And, well, the movie goes on from there. But, folks, that that scene, that moment, that dancing together, to that wonderful music of Rodgers and Hammerstein, Shall We Dance? Whew. It's worth it to see this movie. If you've never seen it before, see it. Oh, I saw the play. The They redid it. Just about a year ago, I took my younger son there. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful. It was at a big theater in, in Los Angeles. And it was fine. It was very good. And I'm not... Well... It was just very good, but I wasn't just taken away the way I was by this movie. As I said, Yul Brynner won the Academy Award for this, and in fact, he danced down the aisle at the Oscars when he was announced. And he's, well, that fella, a great actor, so many things. But uh, as one of the reviews said at that time that I just read today on the internet, that, uh, well, for him, that wound up being also like uh, Dracula for Bela Lugosi, that, you know, he did many great things, but he was always going to be known as Dracula and, and seen as that. And, well, Yul Brynner, God bless him, did many, many great roles and... Uh, but he will always be the king in The King and I. 
Please see it, folks. As I said, if you haven't seen it, please see it. If you've seen it seven or twelve or twenty times, see it again. I did, and I was glad I did. And you know what? Why not be happy like that? Why not? That's something we forget. And uh, sometimes we don't notice as these moments come along, or minutes, or hours. And I'm bringing that up because, well, as I mentioned in the beginning in the introduction, who doesn't like a brand new car? And that's what I just got a little more than a week ago. Folks, there's something we, once again, we we don't notice. How much fun that is. And I, I forgot about that. We leased this car from a ter- terrific fella named Mark. And uh, my wife and I have leased cars from him for a long time now. I guess almost t- more than 20 years. And uh, every time, I don't know about you, but if you've ever done that, you lease a car, I keep saying at that point every time, okay, tell me again why I can't just buy it because I don't understand. Why can't you just buy it? And uh, what does leasing give you? And then he explains every time, and I nod and say, ah, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. And uh, then it's the same thing. At the end, he said, now, did you understand that? And I said, no, not at all. I I understand nothing. I'm glad you understand it. But you know what? I'm glad you're here. Folks, this was so much fun. He called me on the phone and uh, just a day or two before and saying, okay, well, your lease is coming up. It's uh, got a couple of weeks more to go. And he said, what are you thinking of? And I said, well, I like that car. I liked it a lot. It was for a three-year lease. And he said, well, you know what? And he's good. He knows his work. He knows his business well. And he said, uh, why don't you just stay with the same car? They have a new model coming out, in uh, which is a little longer, and uh, but it's really made well. But it's $100 more a month, and I didn't want to – well, pay that extra money. And he said, wait a minute. Uh, that's why I'm calling you. They're, that company has a, a thing where instead of 2019, they have brand new 2018 cars. And you can get one of those like the car you were getting rid of. And it's, uh, I'll tell you what uh, what colors are available. But But also it's less a month than you were paying. Well, who doesn't like that word? When you hear the word less, come on, you're sold. Where are you going now? And he said he called me back two minutes later and just said, I found one locally here. It's a white with a black interior. And um, people think that's a, don't you think that's a beautiful uh, combination? And I said, it is now. Bring it over. And he did with one of their fellows from the the car place. And uh, the next day, so I remember I went upstairs and told my wife, I said, you know, this is an amazing world that I just got a new car on the phone with a total of 97 seconds of talking. And that was it, which is kind of amazed me. That's why I wanted to just tell her, said, what happened to 
going to a, a car dealer where you you drive the thing down their little driveway there and under all those colorful pennants that are spinning in the breeze and uh, and you shake hands with the guy and he's happy and you're happy and you sign everything. Well, that's, I guess that's, I haven't done that in, in a while. And if you still do that, good, I'm glad. Nothing to be afraid of. People get afraid of cars sometimes, you know. But why? And I like this thing a lot. I've had it just a little more than a week, as I said. And there's something I want to tell you about. I kept change in the console, a little, uh, little pocket there. Not a pocket. It's a little just, it's, it's a plastic area there. Not big. And, uh, I mean, just about three inches wide and about four inches long. And I used to just put change in there. And I thought, with the way I think we all do, I thought, well, now I can use the change for, for what? I don't know. No one uses that change. You know, once every 15 months, sure, you can get a Coke at a drive-thru and you need a dime. And so you find a dime in there. But that's it. I did, I, th- I did that two or three times. And, and that's the amazing thing. We all want to use that change and never do. And all you do is keep putting more change in it. And so when, uh, when Mark came by with the new one, and the guy who was going to show me how to push this button and that button, well, of course, you know, in the a half hour before that, I and I keep things clean, so it was just a few things to get out of the trunk, uh, just a couple of plastic bags for the grocery store that I never used either, and then also to get the change out of the console there, folks. There was so much of it. And I used a Ralph's bag, the supermarket bag, to put it in because I thought, well, wait a minute, I got to put this in something. And it was so much. In fact, Colonel Jeff and I already decided for our photo this week, that's what we're going to show you, how much change there was in that console. And it doesn't seem as if there could be that much change. It's, well, it's, it's kind of nuts. And yet, that's what it was. So, you know what? There's nothing like doing that to say, hey, that's why there's such a powerful feeling when someone says on a game show, and you'll win a brand new car. Well, that makes me smile and clap my hands every time. And why not? Who doesn't like that? And you see the contestant, ah, well, why also, why not? Why shouldn't she be happy? And there's a guy going, why not? Why the heck not? So, folks, I guess that's the theme of the show tonight to say, why not be happy? Why not see a great movie? Why not be moved by it? Why not think about the ice cream truck that used to come through your neighborhood? And then, well... Why not think about a brand new car? We'll all know the same thing then, that Homer is Homer and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as ever, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. 
Don't forget that. And don't forget a new car or the change in it. We'll see you next time.